everyone. Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders. Uh, welcome to the live stream on New Year's Eve doing a fantasy preview for week 17. This is pretty much football sickos only. And so that's why we've had Andrew Cooper, affectionately known as Coop, over from uh, Fantasy Alarm, lead analyst there. Coop, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for joining us on what is a holiday for most people, but not for football writers. That is no holiday, man. I started today actually uh, hosting on Serious Alarm after hours from midnight to 2 a.m. So technically, this is my second show of the day. <laughs> Although that, that is a uh, whew, that's like a 24 hour type of, of stress here. So just to make it even harder on you, we have to go through all 16 games this week because of the schedule, putting everything on Sunday and Monday. But you know what? The fantasy players, the DFS players, they demand it. And so we've got to deliver. You've come to the right place, though. Absolutely. Because, you know, so before like we get started, know. let me mention that FO Plus is on sale for 99 cents a week for annual subscriptions. So check that out at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and check out our stats analysis, fantasy and betting info. I think you will enjoy it. And we don't want to waste too much other time because we don't we're going to want to be for two hours or so and then deprive you of your sleep. So let's just dive straight into the Sunday slate, starting with the Falcons at Bills. 1 p.m. Eastern time in Buffalo. By the way, weather, a major factor this week, uh, this week in a way that it wasn't last week. 23 degrees percent chance of snow, around 60%. A little bit of wind here, too. This is going to be a factor in a lot of these games. But my major fantasy question and storyline for you, Coop, is whether Isaiah McKenzie has become a fantasy option. He just exploded last week for 11 catches and 125 yards, but did so without Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley there. What happens when those guys are back? Yeah, I mean, I you know I try to be unbiased, but at heart, I'm a Patriots fan. So uh, Isaiah McKenzie is kind of a, a dirty word in this house right now. I think they, I think his nickname is actually Lil Dirty. But um, okay, that's funny. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, in that game, I think it really you know not just Cole Beasley and uh, and Gabriel Davis being out, but Miles Bryant was a matchup where he was just eating him up. Just against Miles Bryant alone, uh, McKenzie had nine targets, eight receptions, eighty three yards. It was play after play. They were going to him on third down. I don't think that particular thing is going to be repeated and i think that they've made it pretty clear that they like the other guys a little more than mckenzie so i think it was just you know if you played them great i wouldn't chase that this week though i wouldn't either it's almost weird it's like the patriots the quality of their defense almost set mckenzie up for the success because most teams don't have really strong outside cornerbacks and it's just like suddenly you're down to the third and fourth option is your best option and who besides josh allen can really make that happen Something that kind of makes sense as evidence with that. So like Gabriel Davis, I noticed 12 touchdowns and 9.9 expected touchdowns per 100 targets since he entered the league last year. Those are both the most among wide receivers with 50 or more touchdowns. And so you kind of get to the question of like, is Davis like really, really good and should get more playing time? Or does, does just Josh Allen make everybody's life so much better? And that's kind of the way that I'm leaning with this. I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, like the thing with Gabriel Davis is that his best comparable player really is Zach Pascal. Like he's not particularly fast. The thing that he does well is he can play all three positions, making him a super valuable real life player. If anyone gets hurt, he can play split end, flanker, he yeah. can play slot, anything. So that's what I like about him. But I'm not really the kind of guy that says, I, I don't think he's going to be a megastar at any point. I just think that he's a great guy to have in real life football. You know, totally agree. If I'm looking at this from a DFS perspective, then, I mean, I think there are a few ways you can go, even if not at McKinsey, but I'm going to bring up Devin Singletary at 5,400 in DraftKings. I've fallen for this a billion times. Like, I know that the Bills are just a total headache trying to figure out from a fantasy perspective, but Singletary has played 82, 93, and 68% of snaps the last three weeks. He hadn't gone north of 50% in consecutive weeks since weeks one and two when Zach Moss was injured to start the year. And, you know, Moss has been inactive for two of the last three weeks just for like a healthy scratch. So maybe Singletary is like 
wrestling control of this, but am I a fool for falling this again? No, I'm, I'm fully with you on that. You know, it's like I, with these, I try to pick somebody different than you, but Singletary is the guy that I'm playing from this matchup. Uh, you know, like you said, he's earned the league dog role there. I mean, they even have Moss healthy scratch at times. Brita looked good at some point, but now he's kind of mm-hmm. in the doghouse there. So I'm with you on that. The only other guy I consider is Russell Gage, maybe for okay. what you had pointed out there that, you know, the, um, the Patriots are really good at taking away your best thing right the thing you do best so i think they're gonna they're not gonna let Kyle, um i'm sorry not the patriots the bills, the bills. They are, bet, yeah. i mean honestly they bet do that yeah right so it's like uh i think that there's a chance you know matt milano jordan poyer can probably take away pits and i think that you could see russell gage have a decent day i like that all right next up we've got giants at bears 1 p.m eastern time in chicago 15 degrees and a little bit windy so pretty cold here in that in that spot you know this game may not be chock full of fantasy options given the especially the state of quarterbacks at the giants but I find it really interesting and kind of weird that there's a lot of teams potentially going to quarterback platoons right now. Washington was originally talking about Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen maybe playing together this week, although Scott Turner, their OC, has maybe walked that back a bit. The Panthers with the Sam Darnold, Cam Newton thing, total, total headache. And the Giants may be playing both Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm this week. Maybe not really fantasy implications per se here, but like what is going on in your mind? I don't know, man. This is a copycat league, but usually people <laughs> copy the good stuff, not like oh, yeah, the yeah. weird stuff. You know what I mean? I don't really understand, but it's it. You never see this. It's just not a thing. It's quarterback is a linear depth chart. Whereas in recent years, we've seen running back become you know split, tight end even. You know, you have a blocking guy and a pass catching guy. To see these platoons is is insane. I'm wondering if maybe teams are just thinking, you know, giving guys shorter leashes. They look at the Cardinals, you know giving up on Josh Rosen after one year and drafting another quarterback right away, or a guy like Kirk Cousins becoming, uh, you know, drafting the same year, becoming the better guy long-term. Maybe teams are just thinking, Hey, you know what? We just need to try everything. So I I don't know, you know, it's kind of, it is strange though. And it's not good for fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I think I get it from like an evaluation standpoint and really Washington, uh, they might be the one that makes the most sense here, even though they're the one that may be least likely to do it this week, because it does seem like both Heineke and Kyle Allen have had some play play level success in smaller samples. Allen has notably gotten hurt a few times. So you're like, yeah, maybe if we want to figure out who our backup's going to be next year, this is like something that's worth talking about. But like, like from a fantasy perspective, obviously this just potentially sabotages everybody. I mean, I, I don't think I was dying to, to start any giants this week, but it, it's tough. Um, Honestly, from a DFS perspective, there's nobody that I really want to use in this game. Uh, I, I listed Kadarius Tony at 5,300 and FanDuel as a possibility, but it's like the 12 and 9 targets are the reason his last two healthy games, week 11 and 16. But man, like it's not like the production has been there. Is there anybody here that you think you can squeeze out of this? Yeah, I'm right with you. That's why I think I'm going to pick the Bears defense. Like okay. 3,200. It's like, That's is good. there any, any better situation than you have one quarterback go in and fail and then they bring in another cold quarterback in a cold game and have him fail as well? I mean, I could see that narrative playing out. Kadarius Tony though, is, I mean, he's super exciting when you can actually get him the ball and let mm. him do things with it. You know, I mean, he put uh, Trevon Diggs on skates this year and they, Diggs has been one of the better guys, you know, at least at – taking the ball away. So uh, we've seen Kadarius Tony do do fun things. So I think he's probably the funnest option. I'm going with the boring option in a game. You know, the over-unders, 37 points or something like that. It's yeah. going to be cold. The Bears are favored. You know, Bears DST at pretty reasonable price. Uh, that's probably my favorite play of this. So you got to start a defense somewhere, right? Make, makes total sense to me. Let's just keep going in with some of these games where they're a little bit more interesting from a fantasy perspective. Chiefs at Bengals, hard to get more interesting than that in really fantasy or real life perspective. This is at 1 p.m. Eastern in Cincinnati where 32 degrees could have some snow flurries here. 
uh, in wind gusts of 27 miles per hour. So this may not be the shootout we expect given the weather conditions, but I think the question has to be about the passing games here. My one for you is, do you think Joe Burrow is kind of back in that earlier season discussion as being of a Justin Herbert caliber of a long-term prospect or are there reasons maybe to doubt that? Yeah, I mean, these these always amuse me, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, I, I played quarterback when I was younger and I just think about, you know, how I played at a certain age versus another age versus another age. And even in my, you know, fantasy football life, like I think about things I used to do when I was 23 or 25 years old, you know, just look at the worst team in the league and say, Oh, someone's got to be the number one wide receiver. Like the yeah. way you look at things, you evolve and get better. So we talk about guys that these guys are 23 and 25, you know, Herbert's 23, Burrow's 25. It's hard to sit here and say one guy is definitively better than the other without bigger sample sizes. So for me, I say, hey, both these guys look pretty good. Uh, just be happy that it's not Mariota versus Winston or, you know, uh, <laughs> Josh Rosen versus because we've seen so many of these just failure classes that I think the fact that these guys are doing anything at all makes them successes considering 50% of first round QBs don't pan out. So I think, you know, you just be happy with it. The debate is fun to a certain degree, but there's no way we could definitively say now, you know. I mean, you're 100% right. And we it's weird. This this conversation always puts me in a weird spot because Burrow comes out in a really kind of poor efficiency number in DVOA, which I'll point out, like unlike a lot of traditional passing stats, includes sacks. And so like the fact that he's leading the league with like 48 sacks this year, it's a totally alarming amount. You're like, eh. like I want to argue that Burrow is a lot better than that. But it's also, I, I don't know, it, it's a confusing situation. The thing that I'll point out just from a fantasy perspective is that last week's 525 yards and four touchdowns. You may not need me to tell you that's kind of fluky, but the Ravens are down to 30th in pass defense DVOA. Their entire starting secondary has been out because of injuries, being on IR, because of COVID, et cetera. So like there couldn't have been a better situation there. And as Vince Furhey on Football Outsiders wrote about this week in his Quick Reads article, Burrow has actually seen the biggest schedule advantage of any quarterback this year and has the biggest difference between his like not defense adjusted and defensive adjusted yards over replacement. So I'll say that like from that perspective, Burrow has maybe had more success than year this year than you would expect. But I also think that he's got a tremendous future. It all shakes out to where he's like my 12th quarterback from a true talent perspective in fantasy. And I think this is relatively a tough spot against the chiefs, but you know, I don't know. Like I'm not telling you not to start him necessarily, but he's more of a borderline QB one, two for me. I don't know if you feel the same way. I do. And that's why I love what you guys do over there with the DVOA, because you do the things that we all think about, right? Everyone that gets to a certain level of fantasy starts thinking about that. Like, well, what if this, or what if that mm -hmm. the DVOA takes a lot of those, what ifs out? That's why we, I mean, we mentioned it, John and Pemba and I have a, a podcast we do every single week and DVOA comes up for every single matchup, at least once talking about the run game, talking about uh, yeah. the past game and, you know, just trying to sort that out. So I'm with you on that. And Joe Burrow is just, he falls into one of those categories for me of if I'm in a six point passing TD league, then I like Joe Burrow a lot. If I'm in one of those other leagues with uh, the four point passing TDs where, you know, two rushing touchdowns is worth three passing touchdowns. Hmm. Now all of a sudden it's like, mm, he, you can't put them in the same tiers as the Josh Allens and the, in the Jalen Hurts and the, you know, Lamar Jackson's if they're healthy of the world. So, you know, uh, that's where I'm at with him. So I'm kind of with you. Yeah. yeah. So from a DFS perspective, obviously a lot of interesting passing options for you in this game, but I wanted to bring up Daryl Williams at 6,200 and FanDuel. This is really about Clyde Edwards Alaire. He injured his shoulder in week 16. I think he's very likely to miss this week, although I guess we don't know that 100% for sure. So check the news there. But curious about your thoughts about how the Chiefs would split up their backfield work if CEH does, in fact, miss this game. 
because last week Derek Gore actually outtouched Williams 15 to 14, but Williams played more snaps. It was 42% to 28%. I kind of lean that way, but curious about your thoughts. No, I think that they'll they'll probably do a split to some degree. And just on the CEH injury, anytime I hear collarbone that isn't a broken collarbone, I, what they're usually talking about or broken ribs is the cartilage in between the ribs up there. And that can be just as painful, if not more so. So I wouldn't discount any injury in that region. That's not that they, you know, that they have to come out of the game for, because that stuff can be crazy painful. So uh, I wouldn't expect CH back until they need him. And I I'm with you that Daryl Williams is an interesting play uh, for me. Uh, I do like Williams out of this game. And, and this is one of the games where if I'm doing, if I'm spending up, then I might even go with Travis Kelsey here because the Bengals are giving up, you know, the six most points on average to, to tight ends on FanDuel. And uh, Mark Andrews just, you know, even in a game where they were losing, he had eight for 125 and two and a touchdown. And, you know, Andrews and Kelsey have kind of been going toe to toe all year. Uh, you know, I prefer Andrews in this, I'm sorry, Kelsey in this matchup versus, you know, using Andrew and his. So if you're going to pay up at tight ends, this is a week where I think Kelsey is going to come out and, and be a pretty solid option. Like you said, uh, whenever you're missing guys on defense, it shifts everybody else into different rules and it just becomes that much harder to contain all these different pieces. I think Kelsey's yeah. going to do just fine this week. So we have a question on the YouTube chat. I should mention that we are live 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time every day at Football Outsiders. Stream us on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, or Facebook. And on YouTube, we have a question from CCX3 that's on point here asking about Daryl Williams, saying, is he the receiving back? Because he's been really bad as a runner by DVOA. And I'll say that like they might not have those exact traditional roles, but I believe Williams is averaging 2.8 catches per game this season, even playing alongside Clyde Edwards-Alaire and a lot of that. So like, to me, that's a really good sign for him in this game because the Bengals are better defensively against the run than the pass by DVOA. And, you know, who knows what they're going to do. The, the, Mahomes is always a threat to just throw the ball a ton. But I feel like Williams is a little bit safer in that sense because hopefully he's going to get three or four catches. Yeah, and I will say, I'll add on to that, that one thing I try and preach to, to some of our followers and some of the guys that watch my uh, Coop Scoop segment every week is that Daryl Williams is the best pass blocker on the team. That's why he gets those snaps. And uh, pass blocking isn't always, okay, Daryl, on this play, you're going to block. And then on this play, you're going to run a route. Sometimes it's it's options. It's, you know, you count the number of linemen, you count the number of people on each side. And if, you know, a certain number of guys are there, there's only three guys or whatever. Now you're running a route. It's kind of an option play where just getting into the game for those plays opens yeah. you up to more opportunities. It was the Gio Bernard versus Joe Mixon thing for a long time where Gio was just better at it. And I think Daryl Williams, that's where he's carved out his role. And I think now he's going to have a solidified role in that. So I do yeah. like him in the past plays there. So then that's a tremendous point for sure. Okay. Next up dolphins at Titans, 1 PM Eastern time in Tennessee, 36 degrees, 61% chance of wintery mix. You're probably catching a theme with this 12 mile per hour winds gust to 29. So maybe not great weather here too, even though we're more toward the South. Uh, my major storyline here, it's it's probably more a long-term thing than it is necessarily a, a Week 17 issue, but I'm just curious about your thoughts. Have you been encouraged or discouraged by what Tua Tonga-Vailoa has done this season? Yeah, I mean, so at, like I said, as a Patriots fan, I've been watching this rebuild very closely, and I love what the Dolphins did starting in 2019. I mean, they you know got rid of the coach, traded the QB for picks, uh, let all the guys go for uh, – veterans go for comp picks, rolled over a ton of cap. I mean, it's exactly what the Lions are doing right now, which I like. And the thing with these rebuilds is it boils down to if you hit on the quarterback or not. Yeah. And for me, like anytime – like I don't care what people say. Wins is a quarterback stat to a certain degree. You know, unless you have like a powerful defense or or anything like that. I don't know if, if I'm going against the DVOA over here, but um, I think that Tua winning this many games straight 
and getting it done and not really turning the ball over is a huge sign. And I, honestly, I'm encouraged by the way he's playing. And I think that when all is said and done, that he's going to be a player in this league where there's not as many questions. Like before we were saying Jalen Hurts definitively better or whatever. And now I think there's more questions about a guy like Jalen Hurts than there is about Tua. So uh, I'm in. It's interesting. Like he's always done a lot better from a passing DVOA perspective than I would say his public perception is. And right now he's at 2.2%, which means he's above average. He's basically right the same as, as Mac Jones. I think a player people are celebrating. I get that he's further along in his development and that's fine. But for me, this is a thing where the strategy makes a ton of sense given the Dolphins' weaknesses on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they're they're last in ESPN's pass block win rate. And so, like, while the RPO thing, it may be like shielding you from seeing the types of throws that, that Tonga Vailoa is going to have to make to become a great passer in the long term. It makes so much sense for the team as is. And I think it really does suit Tonga Vailoa's skills as a quarterback. So, like, to me, none of this is a negative. Like, it, it makes sense for the team. And I'm curious what's going to happen long term. But I, I'm, I think I'm definitely more encouraged than discouraged and generally more bullish than anything else. Now, none of that necessarily makes him a great fantasy option this week. I would say the Titans probably are a better defense than people suspect as well. But curious if you have a good DFS option, like Dante Foreman, maybe for me. The thing is that like he's been getting a lot more of the touchdown opportunities than Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols, even though they're in kind of a timeshare. But I don't know. Is there anybody that jumps out to you from this slate? Yeah, so for me, like I... I'm big into who plays what role, what position, right? And like, so Devontae Parker on this team is clearly the split end. He's the bigger guy that tethers his foot to the line. You know, it's like Durham Smythe is the tight end in reality on one side. Yeah. And Devontae Parker tethers his foot to the line on the other side, which allows these other guys, Waddle, Kiseki, to line up off the line in the slot, move around. At times, that kills guys like Parker and Mike Evans when they get shadowed. You know what yeah. I mean? James Bradbury, Marshawn Lattimore. And Marshawn Lattimore is just brutal to Mike Evans, right? Like he yeah. gets kicked out of the game for fighting him. You know, it, <laughs> it gets that chippy, you know, it's like, uh, reminds me of like Andre Johnson. And, uh, yes, uh, I, and oh God, that Cortland, was the best uh, when he punched Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> Cortland <laughs> so great. Oh yeah. It's, that's like these guys now, like that's Lattimore and Evans. And I mean, last week, uh, Lattimore did that to Parker this week, you know, with no Stefan Gilmore, I actually am kind of interested in uh, Devontae Parker at 5,200. I mean, you don't really need to do too much to, to uh to deliver at 5200 you know what i mean so uh, parker is a guy that i think a lot of people are gonna be off this week low low ownership and uh to me that's interesting so okay i like that all right next up raiders at colts 1 p.m eastern time in indianapolis in a dome yay we have somebody dodging the winter weather so that opens up some opportunities for fantasy success although i'm curious if you think that a potentially sam ellinger led colts team might cause some fantasy problems i would say in particular the question is about jonathan taylor he overcame offensive line injuries and absences last week. What's going to happen if he gets stuck with a backup quarterback here? Yeah, I mean, that that's the biggest thing that you just mentioned there, the offensive line, right? Because they were not just missing Quentin Nelson. They were missing uh, Ryan Kelly and the guard. Um, Mark Lewinsky. Mark Lewinsky. They're missing all three of those guys, and he still ran for 100 yards. I mean, talk about uh, like a if you're <laughs> if you're actually writing up a resume and putting it on monster.com, applying for MVP – yeah. Put that on the resume right there, right? Like Quentin Nelson could be the, an MVP in this league and he wasn't playing and he had hundred yards. So for me, uh, you know, they'll, they'll stack the box with Ellinger and I mean, hopefully Wentz plays, I think he might with this new crazy protocols they have, but you know, if Ellinger can go out and make two passes early in the game to Pittman, now all of a sudden maybe you can't stack the box and Taylor will be fine. There's always concern that the backup quarterback is just going to, uh, you know, blow yeah. things up for you. We just saw it with, you know, the Saints. So, but I, I'm, I mean, 
you're starting Jonathan Taylor no matter what. Maybe you just don't start him in DFS. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's true. It's interesting from last week's perspective because you know he only averaged 4.0 yards per carry and actually started the game with a 43 yard carry. So like he was two and a half yards per carry for his last 26 carries in the game. But like, so what, right? Like all of the right. offensive linemen are coming back. To me, Ellinger's not going to really flip the script. What's interesting to me about him is the fact that he ran 540. 554 times in four seasons at Texas. So I'm curious if it's going to like, we've seen rushing quarterbacks actually make like more opportunities for their running backs. I feel like we're kind of seeing this this year with the Eagles where like things are actually easier on Jalen Hurts' teammates because of the running threat that the quarterback represents. And I don't know what that means the Colts might end up doing, but I'm hoping this is all kind of unimportant. Hopefully Wentz isn't seeing any symptoms that can come back and play. And either way, I think you're definitely starting Jonathan Taylor anywhere that you want I'm not even going to mention it from a DFS perspective. I think, yeah, go for it. But if you want to look at a second guy from this game, I'll mention Josh Jacobs at 6,600 in FanDuel. I like it because he's seen a big increase from an 8.9% target share before his week eight buy to a 14.8% since. It's the sixth highest among all running backs. I don't know if that's about the change in coach. I don't know if it's about the fact that the team has lost like Henry Ruggs and some of their other pass catching options, but it seems like Jacobs is getting that true bell cow work for the first time this year. And I think that's probably good for his fantasy purposes. What do you think? I mean, I think that's, I think the biggest part that you mentioned there is Kenyon Drake. And the thing about Drake was that, you know, Jacobs was always outperforming him, but money talks in this league and they gave, <laughs> they gave him like 6 million bucks, right? Like he was, I think he was like the, if you don't count Aaron Jones, he was like the number one or number two highest paid uh, guy, guy on, in free agency, you know, yeah. which is crazy when you look at what James Conner's done getting less than 2 million. You know, so I think that that was their their hand was kind of forced by the money. Uh, you don't want to make the GM look stupid. So uh, that that was kind of the way it was now. So I'm fully on board with Jacobs. The only other guy that I would consider that I that I do like a lot this week, or I wouldn't say a lot, but uh, Foster Moreau is in a situation where no Darren Waller. He played 100% of the snaps week 15. Is that good? 100%? That's I mean, right? you usually want all of them if you can have them. <laughs> yeah, 96 last week. And against this Colts team, the bottom three versus the tight end, Dawson Knox had his only 100 yard game. Hunter Henry had two touchdowns. Zach Ertz had like 13 targets last week. So, I mean, the floor for Foster Moreau is tremendous in this matchup. Uh, you know, and uh, the they have most of their guys healthy with uh, the COVID situation. The Raiders do now, finally. So, uh, I think that it's it's kind of an easy play. He's only like 3,800 on DK. So, love it. By the way, we have some other start sit type questions coming in on the YouTube chat. We're going to hold those toward the end of the show, but stick with us. We'll get to those and answer all of those uh, at that point. But let's keep things rolling with the games. Make sure we get through everything. Jaguars at Patriots, 1 p.m. in New England, 45 degrees, 55 percent chance of rain, more potential weather here. To me, this one's it's interesting. So like James Conner going down, it's a pretty sad situation, I think, for him, finally getting free from Urban Meyer. And then that happens. It, you're kind of in a situation now with the Jaguars that they just don't really have a lot of other running back options. So my question for you, Coop, is would you trust Dare Ogunbowale this week facing a difficult Patriots matchup, given the Jaguars don't really have a lot of other options at the position? So I'll tell you what, I, like I said, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm actually going to go, I'm going this game. It's Love that. pretty close to us. But uh, so the number, the number two thing I'm rooting for this week is the Patriots. The number one thing I'm rooting for is for it not to rain. 
So, <laughs> that's where I'm at in my fanhood. You got to uh, get in the press box where that's under a little bit more cover. I, you know what? I actually, I did get club level, but I refused to go inside. I'm sitting down in those red seats. Somebody's okay. going to be down there. Respect. You know? I, got, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but um, yeah, so I, I actually don't trust him that much. Uh, running in the, is a luxury of the winning team in this league. And Las Vegas is not always right, but those guys are pretty good at what they do. So when they say a team's going to lose by 15 or 16 points, yeah, that team is probably going to lose. They might not lose by 16, but they're probably not going to win. And a guy like uh, Agumboale, like he's not particularly fast, four six five forty, and uh, you know a guy like Kyle Van Noy, he's a top five uh, graded linebacker in coverage this year. I don't think you know. I'm sure Dari is going to catch a few passes in the in the slot. I mean, in the, like the flankers. So he's he's pretty yeah. good at that. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough where you're really excited about this play. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, hammering home your point, the Patriots are eighth in run defense DVOA. They cut rushing touchdown rate by 54% per attempt. So, I mean, that's the most in football. And that's it's a combination of having a good run defense, but also having a good pass defense means that teams, they just don't get in situations where they might score near the red zone. And, and frankly, if they're up by multiple scorers, like you said, where are the Jaguars going to have the opportunity to run? The reason that I'm a little bit more bullish, I think, is because Ogunbowale actually had more catches in his NFL career than carries entering this last week. And if you just don't have other options, I don't know. Is he going to end up getting seven, eight targets? Michael Carter, he only ran for 37 yards against the Patriots about like two months ago, but had nine targets. Eight catches, 67 yards. That produces a lot of fantasy points, even if it's not really that meaningful from a from a winning the real game perspective. And so like that's the angle that I think makes some sense when you have him at 5,500 and FanDuel. I guess I get it. But the downside, it's it's pretty huge. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, he if – Lord, uh, Trevor Lawrence wants to go full Mike White here and just dump him <laughs> down there. I mean, that would be a beautiful thing for fantasy. So, and I think at his price, like that's the thing with a guy like this yeah. is that he's a he's a cog to me, right? Like if you have all these guys that are your core plays and you really like them and you're scrolling through and you get to 5,500 and you need a running back, like good luck finding a better opportunity than the one he has currently. So I, I'm there for that. I just, you know, I'm not building around him. For me, there aren't a lot of plays like that in this game. I do like Hunter Henry though. Yeah. Again, they could just run heavy and it could be low targets, but you know, he got three end zone targets versus the Colts. Two of them were touchdowns, one of them was picked. And the other guy that I like is uh Laquan Treadwell. I mean, okay, yeah, just just like we talked about, Pats take away the top option in the tight end. Ancillary pieces have had some success. He's consistently getting 10 points a week, you know, the last few weeks without a touchdown, right? On in DraftKings, which is PPR. And if he just gets a touchdown, I mean, for four thousand dollars, that's all like 10 points at four thousand dollars is you're you're about you're treading water and then if he gets a touchdown now he's become that value play so that's I mean, probably if, yeah if, if you're not starting a top six or seven tight end then you're begging for a touchdown in any case right so like right. pick the guy that has the most um next up let's head to patriots south with the buccaneers at jets 1 p.m eastern time in new york 55 degrees 55 percent chance of rain uh, speaking of the Patriots, do you think Tom Brady's a good fantasy option this week like it it kind of seems like a no-brainer because the Jets, I think they're 32nd in pass defense DVOA, but like we've seen in recent weeks, Brady just 214, 232 passing yards, zero and one touchdowns. Maybe that's the Saints and Panthers having a good pass defense, but maybe it's the fact that, you know, like last week, the Patriots can kind of cruise with the running based attack against a, a, an inferior team. Could that happen against the Jets? Yeah. I mean, the question is, yeah, like you said, age old question, will they be up too big to throw? You know, mm -hmm. but I mean, you look at Tom Brady versus the Jets historically, and I know it doesn't always translate, but a guy like Tom Brady, 
we've we finally we figured out that it doesn't really matter what uniform he's wearing, right? Yeah. The last seven games against the Jets, the scores have been 33 0, 30 14, 38 3, 37 13, 26 6, 24 17, and 41 3. So, I mean, I think he's got to figure it out. I think it might be on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. I think him and Gronk are going to do just fine. Uh, So, I think Brady, like, in your championship, you probably don't have, you're probably not loaded with amazing options. If you are, yeah. you can do whatever you want. But, you know, Tom Brady versus the Jets is about as safe as they, as they make them, in my opinion. I mean, I don't disagree. So, like, I have him fourth at the position this week. It is a little bit down relative to a third true talent ranking, but that, that's not going to cause you to bench him for somebody else. Like, what are the chances that you have multiple guys in the top five at the position? I think pretty low. To me, the, I mean, really the reason he's falling is because of the venue and weather concerns. It's just like when you compare him to some of the guys playing in domes, not that I necessarily like Dak Prescott more, but I think that makes a really big difference in a way this time of the year. But I think you're going to start Brady and you're probably going to have confidence doing so. And I'll say from a DFS perspective, maybe Brady isn't the best value relative to his price, but Antonio Brown, really surprised to see that he's still just 6,100 in DraftKings this week. Maybe my favorite DFS value, assuming he plays. He had 10 catches and 101 yards last week, 15 targets last week with both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans out. And I know that Evans isn't 100% out, this week, he is back off the COVID list. Um, but, you know, he suffered a hamstring injury two weeks ago as well. There's no telling that he's definitely going to play and maybe he won't be 100%. So it, it just seems like a no-brainer to me that Brown is getting 10 or more targets this week. But, like, what do you think? I mean, I'm 100% on board. I mean, uh, our guy, John Impemba at Fantasy Alarm, the editor there, he, you know, guys, the guy's a wizard. And he was all on Antonio Brown from the very beginning. And the thing that he was saying all along is this guy has never been bad. Right. Yeah. Like whenever he's playing, he's been good. He played one game for the Patriots, caught a touchdown. He came on, learned a new playbook midseason, and then just basically caught a touchdown every, you know, average a touchdown a game for the playoffs. And this year he's been great. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. He's, uh, you know, he's a, an easy play. He's a, he's locked in the values there, uh, you know, to the point where I kind of liked Rob Gronkowski, but, you know, I don't know if you want to go all in with a big stack, you know, Brady, Gronk and AB, but I just feel like you got to get AB in there at his price. So that's an easy one, Scott. I think you got. It, it. I think you got it right there. It's a little weird to say because he missed like ten straight games in the middle of the year. But I mean, Brown has nine point five targets per game this season. That's the ninth highest among wide receivers. So like, <laughs> why isn't he a top twenty price in DFS? I just don't really know. All right, it happens. It happens every year with guys that just don't play games, right? Like Joe Mixon didn't mm. play a bunch of games, and you discount him. Like Antonio yeah. Brown doesn't play games, you discount him. But I, I'm, I'm after last week. I, I don't know how you could. So CCX three. I'm going to answer this question now because it's on point. But we're going to get to everybody else's start sit questions at the end of the show. But CCX three asks Gronk should be a real concern with AB playing right. AB vacuums his targets. You know, I don't know. Like I, I feel like you know the the pat. I mean the, the pats. Of course, the, the Bucks seem to be playing a little bit more two tight ends last week, given that they didn't have, you know, multiple of their top wide receiver options. So like this would be like a hilarious week for Cameron Bray to score a touchdown when everyone's like stacking it up with Gronk and stuff. But like, you know, Gronk is a top five tight end. I think AB is a top 10 wide receiver. It's like everybody in this game is probably a good option. I don't know who the loser would be based just on the matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, tight ends is like the, the thing that I focus on the most. You know, I do my tight end tiers every week. And the thing with Bray is that, he is only end zone targets. It's kind of inexplicable. I think it's just a matter of, at this point, Tom Brady, when he lines up at the line of scrimmage, he already knows all the defensive sets. He knows who's going to be where. He knows where he's throwing it before the 
the play even starts, you know? So, but I think Gronk in this matchup, is going to have a lot of those plays where it's his turn. And last week, Gronk, you know, he had the end zone targets. He just didn't catch them every week. He's had them. So I think Gronk is, you know, a rock solid play this week in, in my championship. I'm definitely starting if I, if I have them in DFS, like I mentioned, AB is kind of, kind of, you know, concerned for the upside, but I mean, yeah. I could see, I, I can already see in my head Gronk spiking the ball and doing some stupid dance. So <laughs> I think that's what we're going to see, you know? Okay, that's good. All right, keep it on going. We're still in the 1 p.m. window. So many games. Eagles at Washington in Washington, 66 degrees. So a lot warmer, but another 55% chance of rain game here. Um, are you worried about Jalen Hurts' sprained ankle? So he missed week 13, had his bye in week 14, but has played two games since then. His first game back in week 15, I think it was encouraging that he had eight carries, but just two carries last week, and he had nine or more carries in eight of his 12 previous games. So, like, it seems like a pretty major downturn in carries here, but game script could have been relevant. I don't know. Maybe it will be for Washington, too. But, like, what are your thoughts on Hertz? Are you starting him in your fantasy title game if you can? So for Hertz specifically, I think that he falls now into, you know, you can't look at him as that dual threat guy, the Konami code type guy. Like this week, you you just can't make that assumption after two carries last week. Um, so for me, I'm kind of fading Hertz a bit. Uh, but I will say that for the rest of the offense, it kind of might be a boost. I mean, you talked about how the mobile QB does open up the run. But uh, a guy, Andrew Erickson from Pro, Pro Football Focus kind of showed mathematically that mobile QBs are less likely to dump it down to the running backs, less likely to dump it down to low dot players, which makes a lot of sense, right? If I'm yeah. running, if I'm scrambling out and Dallas Goddard's five feet away from me, I'm not going to dump it to him. I'm going to say, why don't you go block somebody, man? You know, so <laughs> it's like, yeah. and it's, but now it's been mathematically showing what we kind of always assumed. Uh, so for me, I think that, uh, you know, if Hertz is not willing to run, he's not sapping those that from the rest of the offense so i think it might be good for devonta smith for dallas goddard the rest of the pieces and we know that if hertz can't play they have gardner Minshew, and you know he's more than capable and he's pretty exciting to watch too so jordan howard had his first target of the season last week so talking about dual threat guys there you go get him in your ppr lineups if he plays this week <laughs> um i'm just kind of getting around here it's honestly yeah. kind of hard for me to come up given that Hertz may be less of a running threat than he normally would be. I had a hard time coming up with a great DFS play. As mentioned, there's a threat that Washington could end up playing some Kyle Allen. So like that's not that I think Kyle Allen is worse than, than Heineke necessarily, but man, that like makes it tough for everybody here. I came up with John Bates, the rookie tight end for Washington at 2,900 in DraftKings. So this is a, we ran out of money situation only, right? But I'll point out that he has played 71%, 62%, and 73% of snaps the last three weeks, while Ricky Seals-Jones has been at 46, 60, and 45%. I think, I think Seals-Jones has fully recovered from the hip injury, so I think it's a situation where Bates has maybe just passed him on the depth chart. And, like, you know, the Eagles, they've given up 12 touchdowns to tight ends this year. They and the Chargers are the only ones up that high. So could Bates get a touchdown? I don't know. I mean, it's not Hunter Henry, but, like, maybe it's an idea. What do you think, Coop? <laughs> I mean, like, so the way I look at it is that it's kind of, it's a coin flip between the two because, you know, Bates plays more Ricky Seals Jones. He did get versus very same team who they played a two week ago, ago because yeah. I, you know, the NFC East, it's just like, it's all mashed in there. Right. Like I feel like they, the way they set up the schedule is crazy with them. But um, so he, he did have seven targets in that game, but the way it goes in DFS with coin flips is if one guy is a lot cheaper than the other, that's the guy you want. So like, I'm not starting Ricky Seals Jones anywhere just because mm -hmm. he's so much more expensive than Bates. Right. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to start anybody else from this lineup, I might take a flyer on Boston Scott just because there's the mm -hmm. news with uh, Jordan Howard as a stinger. 
very yeah. tricky injury where it's like once you're talking about nerves and things like that you know it could that's the type of injury where you give him the guy one hand off and he says can't do it you know so for me kind of is a little bit interesting for boston scott but like you said you if you can just avoid this matchup probably the better <laughs> way to play it right Agreed. I think so. Um, and then, fr- frankly, it's weird how similar that is to this next game between the Rams and the Ravens. 1 p.m. Eastern time in Baltimore, 66 degrees, 55% chance of rain. Lamar Jackson, kind of a similar situation, probably more severe, honestly. He sprained his ankle several weeks ago. Apparently returned to practice on Wednesday, but was showing a noticeable limp, according to reporters, and then hasn't practiced since. I sure have the sense that Tyler Huntley's going to start this game. And what does that do in your mind to, to the fantasy options? Lamar might've been the only one you were really eager to start. And now you can't really do that probably. Right. I mean, for sure. And like when you're going up against Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and these guys, like type thing, telling everyone there was a noticeable limp, you might as well dump a bucket of chum in the water. You know, it's like, this is, it's not a good situation. So uh, the, you know, but like you said, with the similarities to the last game, this is another team that has, you know, a mobile quarterback who, when he's less mobile, it's better for the pass catchers. And Mm. they also have a guy as a backup that is serviceable, right? It's very similar, like you said. So I'm worried about Lamar himself. Uh, You know, if you have Mark Andrews, you start him. That's just how that works, right? In your championships, at least, you know, in DFS, I'm not starting. Like if I'm going to pay up, I'm going to go Travis Kelsey. It's just, we're talking about a bottom uh, five, six, seven matchup for a tight end versus a top five, six, seven matchup. It's like, you know, you, you just don't, there's no reason to, you know, it's uh, so uh, there's other, other weeks to start Mark Andrews. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, and again, hard to trust Marquise Brown or Rashad Bateman, any team that has two extra tight ends and a fullback. It's brutal for the wide receivers, because mm-hmm. if you're going to have Mark Andrews in the game and five linemen and a quarterback and a running back, you know, that's already uh, like eight guys. Right. So yeah. once you put in a second tight end, that's a wide receiver coming out. You put in Patrick Ricard, who plays like a 40% snap share. That's another yeah. wide receiver coming out. And you only have one wide receiver on the field. So for me, I, I never, I'm never always, I'm never super excited to trust any of these guys. You know, like, yeah. I mean, Rashad Bateman finally got a 93 snap share a couple of weeks ago when he had zero catches. Like, so <laughs> uh, it's, it's very scary to me. So I don't really love it. You know, I'm curious if anyone's going to try to start Huntley as a DFS option, given the lower price. What's interesting is that he does have a 31% carry share in his three starts this season. That's not that far behind Lamar at 36%. But to me, the answer is no. I mean, dealing with a defense like the Rams, the offensive line injuries the Ravens have suffered to me make them more susceptible to interior pressure, which seems like a total nightmare situation facing the Rams. So I would probably steer clear. If I were going to go a DFS route with this game, I think I might just do the obvious one and just go with your namesake, Cooper Cup. He's 9,500 in DraftKings. To me, like you could probably blow out the ceiling there and go even higher. As mentioned earlier, the Ravens are down to 30th in pass defense DVOA. It's like it's most of the guys they have that are hurt are out for the year. They're not coming back because of COVID, you know, vagaries. So it's just like, who are they going to even try to guard this guy with? I just don't think they have the bodies anymore to deal with it. And I feel like Cup is going to have 10 plus catches and less. It's just like a Sony Michelle blowout type of situation, but I don't know. I think the passing will probably work because of the, the specific weaknesses of the Ravens defense right now. Do you feel that way too? I mean, you just said everything that I've been thinking for the past, like, you know, 24 <laughs> hours or so. We even talked about Cooper, like, it's kind of like, you know, there were, there were the days where it was like, okay, I got to make at least one lineup with CMC or mm-hmm. else, you know, if CMC plays at one o'clock, you might not even want to watch the four o'clock games because whoever started CMC already won, right? Yeah. Now exactly. we're kind of in that world with, 
Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, where you got to pick one of these guys, make a make some lineups with them, and then you can go make your fun lineups. But you got to have one so you're not <laughs> missing out, right? So like, yeah, uh, I'm there with you on that. And then you said the other part too, which Sony Michelle is the low hanging fruit, right? Hmm. Like, um, we've seen this team use the most consolidated snap shares of any team. Maybe the Bengals are close, right, with the way they use the three wideouts in Uzoma, but but like week 12, for instance, uh, 10 of 11 starters played 98% of the snaps. And Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson were the only people that split at all. And now Henderson and Akers aren't playing. So it's like, I mean, the, the starters could play damn near 90% of the snaps this game. So like for me, that's always interesting for Michelle at his, at his value on all platforms, right? Yeah, that latter point you made, I think, is critical for the people watching this because they may not have noticed this. There's been a lot of buzz about Cam Akers and his like remarkable recovery from the torn Achilles. Pretty confident he's not playing this week. You may have you may have implied it's definitely not happening, but like look for him in the playoffs. But if he's not playing this week, it's just going to be it's going to be all Michelle. I mean, I don't think they're going to give a lot of work to, to Jake Funk or to Buddy Howell. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a safe play as well from a fantasy perspective. All right. Again, we're getting some great questions here on the chat. I'm going to circle back to those at the end of the show. We're finally to the 4 p.m. window, so that's good. Um, although the Broncos-Chargers game, I don't know how interesting this is going to be. My question is really, are the Broncos just going to run all over the Chargers? The Texans did that last week, and they had the 32nd-ranked run defense. Uh, earlier this season when the Broncos played the Chargers, they ups- upset them pretty handily. They ran for 33 carries, 147-2. and two. Feels like that could happen again. I don't know. Do you feel like there's there's anything different this time around? Uh, yeah, the short answer for that is yeah, and the long answer is yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like this, this is like the perfect matchup for it. And I mean, so you guys are the DVOA guys. I know the Chargers are a bottom five team in uh, just raw they're, average they're, yards. They're thirty second in run defense DVOA, dead last. Thirty. Although they, the Jets were worse last week, but then of course the Texans' big performance flipped the script. And anytime you can say Texans big performance, <laughs> that's not a good sign for any run D. So I'm there with you uh, in your real leagues, your championship leagues, start, start them both. Go mm-hmm. right ahead. You know, um, for, yeah, I have Javante Williams 26th and Melvin Gordon 31st um, in PPR this week. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's again, it, the split is what hurts, hurts the upside and which doesn't make them great DFS Matt plays for me just because, the problem with splits like that is that you, there's not really a situation where one guy just gets 25 carries. Like if Jonathan Taylor's steamrolling, he, you could, he could get 25 carries and have 175 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But in this with a split, there's no situation where one guy, unless someone gets hurt, one guy gets 25 and the other gets five. Like it's going to be more like one guy gets 15 and one guy gets 18, which 30 something rushes is a lot, but it, it just, it does hurt the upside, right? It does. I, it, it honestly, it makes them more intriguing to me in DFS than traditional. Cause you're just like, you're trying to guess which one of them is going to score a touchdown, which I don't know if any, either of the two is more likely than the other, but uh, yeah, I think I agree with you in that sense. And that's, that's why they're not in the top 25 at the position, even in a plus plus matchup. You know, I had an original DFS play for this week and Josh Palmer, who I've liked has gotten seven and six targets in his two quote unquote starts when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were out. But I've changed my mind on this because Mike Williams, who was originally ruled out for both last week and this week because he was unvaccinated and had COVID, um, like now he is is potentially back in the mix, came off the COVID list this week because of the changing protocols. Uh, so, yeah, it, I think it could be a, a tough spot for him. Do you have a DFS guy that stands out? You know, I am anyone that knows uh, my work and the stuff I do knows that I'm a I got a soft spot for Josh Palmer. I like these players that can win one-on-one 
and can be um, contested catch guys. I mean, we saw it with that one catch he had, uh, the big catch he had the other, the other day where he went up and got it. I think that was why they they drafted him. They saw him. I think they were actually looking for um, a cornerback. They were looking at all these different guys, like um, the guy the Packers took, Eric um, Stokes. Eric Stokes. They were, and they, you just they they said over and over again. They kept seeing this guy beating those guys one-on-one <laughs> with a bad quarterback, right? It's like, fine, yeah. Yeah. He's got, he, it's crazy. The numbers that he had, I think it was like, you know, 11 for 11 against the guys that went in the first and second round. And I guess he actually went to school in high school with Asante Samuel jr. Um, who they also drafted. So mm-hmm. uh, just an interesting dichotomy there, which I like, you know, I like the narrative and uh, you know, Palmer is a guy that I think that you can, when you play him at three, 3,600 and he goes off, that's one that you can do a little victory lapping on, you know, because it's not, that's a, that's a deep cut that you get from a guy like, like Scott, you know, so, and and you can feel good about it. So I'm there with you on Palmer. He's the one that I like the most. Uh, I guess if you were going to throw something else out there as like a crazy um, really uh, going against the grain play would be Albert O versus a bad tight end defense, no catches last week, but before that he had four, five, four catches, which when we're talking about 3000 or under like, any catches is most of the guys that are in the 2,500 or 3,000 range on average, they catch one pass maybe or zero. So, you know, a guy that can show you that he can catch four or five and maybe catch a touchdown or not. That's what you're looking for in that price range. Yeah. And the chargers like the Eagles have allowed 12 touchdowns to tight ends this season. That's more than any other team. So like you wonder if that could potentially be Fant, but it seems like Albert O is the bigger red zone threat of the two, even given his, his lesser, you know, overall target share. Uh, next up, we have the Texans at 49ers, 405 Eastern in San Francisco, 49 degrees and clear. So fewer weather concerns here than than would typically be the case. The question, I guess, is whether you would start Rex Burkhead from in fantasy this week. But like given what we just said, I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's a pretty extreme shift from a really favorable run defense to a really unfavorable one this week against the 49ers. Yep. That's exactly it. And, you know, I said it earlier with the the Jaguars, running is the luxury of the winning team. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a 12 point dog. Last week was a rare win for the Texans, a rare positive game script. Predicting game script in general is a very difficult thing to do and can really cause you some headaches in fantasy football. Trying to say, yeah. oh, this, I mean, think about it last week with the, uh, the you would Texans have said winning. the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> you, would have said, you would have said the game script. So, but just yeah. trying to predict that, you know, and Vegas isn't fooled because they, even though they won, they come back and have them as double digit dogs. So, uh, I'm just not super pumped to do it. Definitely not in my championship leagues. And uh, the problem with it in DFS is that now it becomes the play that, you know, your uncle makes, right? Because he looks at the bot, he looked at the newspaper and saw a big game from Rex Burkhead. And then he sees the scores this week and says, oh, or the prices this week and says, oh, this guy's pretty cheap this week. So he, he was really good last week. So I'll go in and, and use them. And, you know, it becomes not as fun of a, it's not a Josh Palmer play. Let's say, you know, it's a, it's a play that is going to be overplayed because of recency bias. Yeah. Honestly, the most fun play in DFS this week is also in this game though. Trey Lance at 4,800 and DraftKings. curious whether you would pull the trigger on that or not. We haven't seen him in about 10 weeks, I think, but he had 23 carries in about six quarters of play back in weeks four and five which would put him on a full season pace if he were playing every play for 245 carries. Lamar's had 176 and 159 the last two seasons as comparison. So like we're talking about maybe the most extreme runner in football, but also we're getting this like, oh, he's really improved. Kyle Shanahan's really liked what he's seen in practice. I don't know if we really know what we're going to get. So how risky of a play is this? Would you start him in a DFS lineup? 
man, I, so I look at that. The one game I look at is the one where they actually had him start and they game planned all week to have him start and he ran 16 times. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no substitution for 16 carries, right? Like for a, for a running back is that's a phenomenal six. I think 16 for 89. Like yeah. that's a, that's phenomenal. And then anything passing on top of that is gravy. So I'm with you on that, that, you know, in my championships, my real leagues, I don't even know if there's any situations. Maybe if you had Lamar Jackson and there's nobody else, then you go that way, you know. Mm-hmm. But for, I probably have a better better option in my real leagues. But at DFS, I'm right with you on that. Like that's the that's the upside. Uh, could just have a he could be the the QB one this week. That's the possibility with a guy that runs that much, you know. Yeah, and the to me the critical thing is that I think that the Jimmy G news broke during this week, so like the pricing didn't reflect the idea that the Lance was going to be the starter this week, and that's where the the huge opportunities come relative to price tags. So I like it. I mean, the only weird thought is like, I don't even think you can stack it. Cause like you wouldn't like throw out any wide receivers or even necessarily George Kittle in your lineup to take advantage of Lance. So it's more a thing where you're starting Lance by himself and hoping that he like runs for a hundred yards and a touchdown or two. And then that's really where you get the value. Yeah. Maybe this is, this is, so you make a lot of different lineups. If you're that kind of person, this is where you go and take those other you know, solo soldiers and you make a lineup with them, like mm-hmm. Brandon cooks, for instance, like yeah, yeah. you're not going to pair him, Justin Jefferson. You're probably not stacking him. Like take all those guys that you don't want to stack that you want to play and just make it kind of a, a Lucy lineup, you know? Yeah. I like that. All right. A few more games to hit. And then we're going to answer everybody's YouTube questions that has start and sit questions for us. Uh, we're at 425 at this point, Cardinals at Cowboys in the dome in Dallas, another dome spot. Pretty good. Uh, in your mind, do you think Dak Prescott's slump is over? Was he in a slump? Like, what was the deal there? And do you feel confident in him at this point? Yeah, I think he, you know, it's, I mean, mathematically speaking, it's a slump. It's, you look at the numbers there, uh, you know, he wasn't playing well. I think the Zeke injury uh, really dragged on everyone because he was healthy enough to play, but not healthy enough to play well. And, mm-hmm. you know, it that hurts everyone. Last week we saw, though, he had the fastest run from scrimmage, uh, Sorry, the fastest speed he's recorded since week six. I think the um, the NFL advanced stats showed that. And then the bigger thing for me is they're getting Tyron Smith back. We're, we're talking about like generational talent, left tackle. Uh, that's, you know, a, whenever he's healthy, he's all pro caliber. And I think having him back with a healthy Zeke, this offense is humming. So I think Dak is a guy that I am fully confident in. And that's a play where I'm if I have him in any of my championship le- leagues, I'm starting him just in this game, which should be a shootout. Uh, on grass inside of a dome, which hmm. shouldn't be possible, but the Cardinals, <laughs> they, they wheel it out and grow it outside and bring it in. I mean, it's like, talk about a perfect setup for football in uh, on December 31st, right? Yeah, and so I love Prescott, obviously from a traditional standpoint, but I think he's one of the better values from a DFS perspective too. I think he stands out to me in FanDuel at 7,400. I'm not going to say this explains what went on. And again, he threw five touchdowns and five interceptions over a five game period in weeks 11 to 15. So like, yeah, I mean, the the performances were bad, but it's interesting to me that Prescott has averaged 7.2 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road over the last several seasons. That's the second biggest home road split among current NFL starters. And to me, it kind of makes sense. Like when you play your home games in a dome, like that offers a huge advantage to a game that, to a, to a pass game like this w- would be. And so like, maybe I wouldn't expect it to be that extreme going forward, but it means I'm going to be a lot more trusting of, of him at home than on the road during that slump. Four of the five games were on the road last week. He explodes for 330 yards and four touchdowns. He's back at home. He's at home this week to me, like it all adds up to a no brainer. And I feel like the DFS pricing isn't reflecting that, that extreme of a split between his home and road starts. 
So like I would only start Prescott at home at this point, probably. But the fact that he is at home, I think opens opportunities, both in traditional and, and DFS lineups this week. Yep. 100%. I know we got to cruise through these, but can I guess what the, uh, who the number one player was for the, the biggest split? Who you can, but I'm not staring at it. So uh, I'm saying I can remember this off the top of my head. I'm, who do very, you got? I'm very confident that it's Tom Brady because he's been so good at home. He's been very good at home and not that good on the road. Like he's been insane at home. So I think yeah. that it's him, but it, it, it seems possible, but I, it feels like it would probably be a dim quarterback, but I don't yeah. know. Could I don't be. know. I, Derek Carr is high on the list, I know, but I don't think he's number one. Um, yeah. All right. Panthers at Saints, 425 in New Orleans and another dome there. Uh, Ian Book, it was kind of a rough one last week for him. So hopefully the Saints are going to have Taysom Hill back. Again, the fact that they changed COVID protocols has enabled him to be activated from COVID list already. And we expect he's going to start. Uh, I asked this for probably for like my own benefit here, but maybe the better question is, what do you think of Taysom Hill? Like, is he a fantasy player that you're going to trust in that sense? Like, or is this, are you playing with fire? I mean, I, I think the last game, if anything, it cemented what I think about Ian book, which is that he's a work in progress at the, yeah. at the best. Right. But Taysom, we just know, I, we, I feel like we know who he is. He's a guy who, you know, it would shock me if he, set the world on fire throwing the ball, but it wouldn't shock me if he had two, even three touchdowns, which in any format that's four point passing, two touchdowns, you know, three touch, three passing touchdowns, all we want in this world from our, from our uh, passing quarterback and two rushing touchdowns is the same number of points. So, uh, you know, I'm in on him, and it just has to be like that. I agree. So like the big thing for me is like, you you can think that the touchdowns are a little bit inconsistent, but really I'm not sure they are since week 10 last year, which covers, I think seven starts for him. And then a little bit of other playing time coming in just as like a a gadget guy, 12 rushing touchdowns, 8.0 expected rushing touchdowns. Those are the third and fourth highest among all quarterbacks. And again, he barely started half those games. Didn't even start half those games. So I feel like there's consistency there. He's had 11 carries in each of his three starts this season. His 32.7% carry share in those games, that would make him second for the full season behind just Lamar Jackson ahead of Jalen Hurts. I know it isn't always pretty at times, but it does seem like that Hill, both as a better fantasy performer than you would expect and probably a higher floor fantasy performer than you would expect. And so like, you know, the value isn't Trey Lancian because the pricing is higher, but like, ah, God, I still see he's one of my favorite DFS values. He's 6,000 in DraftKings. That just seems too low to me. I mean, any guy, anybody that's that's putting up rushing touchdowns like that has to be. It has yeah. to be a guy that has the upside, you know. So I'm with you on Hill. The only other guy I'd consider from this matchup is DJ Moore, just because there's no substitution for targets, right? Like yeah. that's what makes the world go round. 10, 10, 11, and 12 targets in his last few games. You get the guy the ball, he can make something happen. It hasn't happened recently, which is why his price is 5,600. And that's something I think you could take advantage of. Interesting that the Panthers are quote unquote switching from Cam Newton to Sam Darnold as the starter. I don't know how much that's going to move the needle in a playing time perspective, but you would think the more Darnold played, the more targets more might potentially have, especially in the red zone when Cam, I don't know if that's when Cam would come in specifically, but you know, Cam is going to run the ball when he's in and that takes away opportunities for his receivers to catch the ball. Yeah. 100%. Yep. All right. Lions at Seahawks 425 Eastern in Seattle, the, the sudden winter wonderland that is Seattle after their, their, their weather snowstorm last week 42 degrees makes it a little bit warmer this week but 97 percent chance of light rain so it's probably going to be raining this week um i don't know if that necessarily moved the needle but like what are your thoughts on russell wilson is there something wrong with him he's hurt there's no question he's hurt i think he's kind of mentioned it and that's honestly it's sad for football and it's kind of sad for this organization because 
Geno Smith, like if he was hurt, more hurt, we could have seen Geno Smith. I think he was kind of entertaining. And I think in the in the bigger picture, if everything falls so heavily on your quarterback that your team is this bad when he's not 100%, but still kind of playing, then the team needs to be constructed differently. Because, yeah. you know, we've seen other teams put in Tyler Huntley. We've seen Matt Castle win 11 games. You know what I mean? Like if it's that important, I feel like you're putting – you're just putting too many eggs in that basket. I know the quarterback is the most important piece, but if your starting quarterback is kind of banged up, you shouldn't be losing double-digit games, right? Yeah. I mean, it does seem like the obvious thing would be that he just isn't over the, the, the finger injury that knocked him out for several games. He's been back for like five weeks or whatever, and the numbers have been really bad. But I do want to point out, too, that like the bad play, at least by his extreme standards, has has lasted longer than just the recent run of things. So I ran a split against week 10 last year in 2020 from week 20, from the start of 2019 to week nine last year, he averaged 8.2 yards per attempt, 7.3% touchdown rate since week 10 last year, down to 7.1 yards per attempt, more than a full yard lower and a 4.9% touchdown rate, basically half of what it was before. That is the first game last year that the Rams played against the Seahawks. So like, that's the Brandon Staley introducing the too high safety look, like with Wilson being a particular relier on the deep ball for his fantasy value. Like, is perhaps that defense better equipped to stop him? Like, I don't know. Like, is this all injury or is this something that's just going to be going on now that maybe defenses have found a better way to particularly target what he does best as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, that's how this league works, right? It's like these trends come along and it's like a big dread dredge net that you put through the ocean. And like some people just get caught up in it and some people get through. Like the Bills got caught up briefly in the too high stuff too, right? And same with the Chiefs. But now they've seemed to have finally said, hey, you know what? We'll just take the low-hanging fruit, death by a thousand cuts. Russell Wilson has kind of gone more to Gerald Ever here, but they don't really have that short that short guy, right? The intermediate guy. Yeah. Dwayne Eskridge, D. Eskridge, he wants to be called, is a – is a uh, rookie, Freddie Swain, not entertaining. So I don't know. They need to change with the times here. So I, I think you you kind of nailed it with the too high there. And, you know, I guess maybe Russell, Russell Wilson's always, people have always dogged him for the way he plays at the end of the year. But if it, now it's carried all the way through this year. So I think you might have a point there, Scott. It, well, it could be yeah, beyond the finger. It's weird because what you were saying, it's like this became a storyline related to both the Chiefs and Bills, but like their quarterbacks – have a more diverse skill set, I would say, better arm talent overall than, than Wilson does. Wilson got more of his work from the deep throws over the years. And so I don't know, maybe they don't have guys that, that are quick open guys that are can run from the slot or anything like that. I don't know. It, I feel like it might have hurt the Seahawks more than anyone else. We just didn't focus on it because, you know, Russell Wilson isn't necessarily the, the Mahomes level star at this point in his career either. But it's intriguing. So like it, it makes me nervous about pretty much everybody in this game. The DFS value that I came up with as a potential here is DeAndre Swift, who is, I believe, coming back this week from his shoulder injury that cost him a few games. He's back and practicing at least. The Seahawks have a better run defense than pass defense, but, you know, Swift was third among running backs with a 19.6% target rate before he went down for the year. So you feel like he would be kind of immune to the, the matchups in that sense. But I don't know. What about, what about you? Would you go with Swift here, or would you want to see him first in a game before you trusted him? Nah, I think that the the foul the fallacy of rational coaching where we think, okay, this team's tanking, they don't want to run this guy on the ground. I think that's out the window with Dan Campbell. He was focused on building a culture. He wants guys that are hungry to play. Swift is clearly that guy. He just came out and said that God put him on the earth to play football. So he, I think he's going to play football this week. Um, for me, if I'm going to go with anybody else, 
Uh, I mentioned Laquan Treadwell earlier as a guy that you could put in, he gets you 10 points, then he might score. But he's like, if you're doing a head to head and you just need a safe guy to get in there, uh, that's that guy. I think Gerald Everett is that guy as well. You know, 10 pretty consistently getting 10 points a week without the touchdowns. Like he's good for four or five. He's not going to blow the top off, but he's playing the lions. Right. And you know, if like you, you know, you say with the two high, if the lions try and emulate that, I mean, Everett could get open underneath. Uh, I think that he's a guy that is going to get you a decent number of points and he's a threat to score. I don't think he's a tournament play, right? Because he's not going to have 12 targets. But I think that if you're trying to set up a head to head, you know, you do those like big money one versus ones. Like this is a guy that you can put him in for 4,300 or whatever and generate a lot of value at other positions, you know? That makes a lot of sense. All right, we got two more games left to hit. Vikings at Packers is the Sunday night game right now. Uh, I'm actually going to pivot. My original question was going to be about Adam Thielen being out and how that might affect other Vikings. But the the later breaking news is that Kirk Cousins has tested positive for COVID. And given the lateness in the week at this point, he is already ruled out for this game. Uh, that to me might be a bigger deal than losing Adam Thielen. Cause like you're looking at Justin Jefferson as maybe being the number one wide receiver from a fantasy perspective, he and Cooper cup, both Jefferson is Jefferson had basically seen a 10% increase in his target share uh, since Thielen has been injured. But like now, like what happens when you maybe have Kellen Mond out there, like, does that potentially put uh, a bit of an issue here in starting what has been one of the best couple of wide receivers from a fantasy perspective? I like that, Scott. We've been hanging out for an hour, you know, <laughs> getting getting to know each other here, and then you come Got in with the curveball. Yeah, you yeah. just change. I didn't even know, so I didn't even know he tested positive. But this happened like within twenty minutes before our show. I will say a couple things from Kellen Mond from a rookie perspective is that this is a guy who, like, on paper, he looks very similar to Dak Prescott. I mean, they even both went in similar rounds, uh, similar numbers in terms of not being super mobile, but definitely moving the ball on the ground. Uh, and also there's something to be said about the Vikings knowing they needed a quarterback. They traded up one pick in front of the Texans, but the Texans had no assets to move anywhere and <laughs> took the, took him right before the Texans could take the Texans took Davis Mills with the very next pick. So I, they do clearly like this guy. I know that he's been, you know, they had Sean Mannion as the backup for a while. That's there, what so. CCX is saying. Who was supposed to start? Which I don't know. I haven't looked at any of the news. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. But oh, you're not going to someone... have a trustworthy option. Is is the moral of the story? Well, I know that they had Mannion as a scratch and had him as the backup. But if uh, if CCX knows for sure that Mannion's in there, I mean, if they like at this point, you have to trust the team and who they think the better passer is. Uh, but either way, I mean you probably want to steer clear of you start Justin Jefferson in your, in your championship leagues. You just have to, you know, but in, yeah. in DFS, you given his price tag, he's probably an easy avoid now. Right. Yeah. And I think KJ Osborne, you don't want him anywhere now. Like to me, I was, I was intrigued by him because without feeling he had seen a pretty nice bump in his target share and was even getting touchdowns for a traditional slot guy, which is a little bit surprising, but to me, he is ruled out given that, that you don't have cousins there adding the stability from quarterback. And so luckily for me, I already had a DFS play in this game that was coming from the Packers because that that makes a lot more sense now, given the relative strengths of these teams. But um, Josiah DeGuara, he's 2,900 in DraftKings, the the fullback turned tight end. I think that maybe is a little bit of interesting value. I don't necessarily love anybody in this game, but he's seen his his snap share increase pretty markedly. It was like 20 to 29% weeks five to nine, then in the 30s, then in the 40s. And it's been 50 to 59% the last three weeks. Mercedes Lewis potentially going to miss this game too. That might be a big thing given that he's on the COVID list. Could could DeGuar end up being like a relevant fantasy player at tight end given the lack of other options at the position if he's suddenly the guy here? I mean, I think 
of the tight ends in this game, I like Josiah Aguirre the, the most. I never really liked Tyler Conklin. No, there's no tight end that's blocked on more pass snaps this season than Tyler Conklin. They, he leads the league in being asked to not go out for a pass, which is mm. a pretty bad stat for a tight end. Josiah Aguirre, on the other hand, he plays fewer snaps than Mercedes Lewis, but runs double the routes every week. Yeah. So even if Lewis is in there, Aguirre was interesting to me. Anytime, I mean, we're talking under 3,000, right? Yeah. What, is, what is he again on? I think 2,900. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So done deal. I mean, like, you're just not going to get those snaps. You're not going to get any targets out of guys in that range. I mean, a lot of those guys aren't even active. So I think that that's a, that's a solid play there. And, um, you know, for me, like, I think it's hard to say it with a backup quarterback, but Dalvin Cook coming into this week was a spend up guy. You got to have some spend up players, mm-hmm. um, you know, now not as interesting. So like, like you were saying, tough to find value there. Duar might be the guy. And I don't know what kind of fantasy value you're going to find in this Monday night game either. Browns at Steelers, uh, Monday night, Pittsburgh, 26 degrees, uh, seven mile per hour wind. So cold, but not necessarily too bad of a weather situation. So my question for you is just going to be like, given that this sounds like it might be Ben Roethlisberger's last game at home in his career, do you have any interesting like fantasy thoughts on Roethlisberger career? Something that stands out for, from you from a fantasy perspective over the years? Dude, I remember one year, it was two, I went back and looked it up. It was 2014 and Big Ben, uh, this is my big, this is back when I was, you know, playing just a couple leagues, wasn't writing or doing anything. Yeah. And in my big hometown league, the same kid had Big Ben and Antonio Brown. Oh, and the stack before DFS was a thing, basically. Big stack. And back-to-back weeks, Big Ben versus Indian Baltimore threw six touchdowns in each matchup. One of them, he had 500 yards passing. And I just remember the rest of us in the league being like, wow, it's broken. Like it's, he, <laughs> we're like, you know, Mark ruined it. So now what are we, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, he came back to earth a little bit, but I just remember that memory of like, it was prime uh, big Ben, AB Le'Veon Bell, just like all, you know, yeah. wheels up craziness. So I, I think a lot of people forget that big Ben, just a very good quarterback and he could turn an offense. He could, he could turn the offense into a freak show if he wanted to. And Hearing Mike Tomlin say, somebody asked him, are you willing to give the keys to the car to Big Ben? And, you know, Tomlin's like, hey, you know what? Maybe. And Big Ben's telling all his friends and family and former players to come out to the game. Like Big Ben, uh, you know, I'll say right now that in a showdown slate, I'm putting Big Ben in some lineups because I think that's (laughs) fun. You know, it could be an absolute train wreck. Yeah. You give, yeah, it could be a car wreck if you give them the keys to the car. But, you know, sometimes you drive 150 miles an hour and, and nothing happens. So, <laughs> you know, maybe Big Ben just goes out and calls the place himself. And I don't think he's calling a lot of run plays, Scott. That that would be hilarious. Um, so I, I'm glad that you brought up 2014 because that is is critical to the thing that I came up with as well. So, like, I'm somebody that does a lot of, especially with quarterbacks, looking at things like venue splits, opponent tendencies, that sort of stuff. And do you remember when Roethlisberger had the by far biggest – home versus road splits in football. So I looked this up in 2014 to 2017, he averaged 8.9, 9.5, 11.1 and 7.8 more fantasy points at home than on the road in those four consecutive seasons. And it was like, he and Drew Brees were miles ahead of everybody from a home road split perspective. And like with Brees, you're like, duh, like he plays in a dome. dome. He has a game that a dome would really work for. You're like, why, why is Roethlisberger doing this? It's so weird. And then like the previous five years, it was basically even. And then like it literally was even in 2018 and then 2021 as well. It's like less than a point advantage. Just like it seems in retrospect, like that was a really quirky four year period when he just happened to score a lot more points at home than on the road. But like that was right when I was getting into doing that kind of analysis and stuff. And I'm like, why is this happening? It's so weird. But it's ended up being like really funny in, in hindsight. There. You want to hear something funny about that? Absolutely. I- 
I just pulled up the 2014 game log. Yeah. Those Indian Baltimore games where he threw six touchdowns in each game, back to back home games. That's very not, not surprising to hear. <laughs> the, the very next game, they go out and lose to the Jets. He, on the road, he throws one touchdown. The Jets were four and twelve that season. Yeah, I mean, and it was like that again for like four straight seasons. Maybe not to the six touchdown extreme, but yeah, really weird situation there. Don't oh, know man. what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I bet some gamblers lost some money on that game. Yeah. DFS perspective, I guess not much here either. I guess you can really only play it in DraftKings. But I'll, Nick Chubb, I think, has been somebody that's been a little bit more valuable since Kareem Hunt went down. Uh, he hadn't exceeded two targets in any game prior to Week 12, and has had four targets in, in three of his last four games. So like maybe from that sense of it, but like obviously he's expensive. Um, I don't know if anybody else stands out to you from any kind of fantasy perspective in this game. I think you. I think what you do. This is the fun way to play it. You get Nick Chubb in there. You get Big Ben in there, and mm. then you just scrap out a lineup. Maybe Pat Fryermuth and just you know do what you got to do. If you're doing a showdown slate, right? Just the one yeah. game, right? You go Chubb, you go Big Ben, and then throw in some scrappy uh, Steelers guys. He'll be throwing all over. Maybe Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, you know, maybe think about any sentimental players that he might have, a James Washington or something. I don't know, but uh, I think that's a fun way to play this one, right? Just you know, go for the two, uh, go for the old stars and scrubs lineup, right? Absolutely. Well, we did pretty good. We got through 16 games in just a little bit more than 60 minutes. So that's nice. But if you have a few more minutes, let's go back through some of the questions that we've gotten on Facebook. Uh, as mentioned, we're live 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. You can stream us live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, or YouTube. YouTube is, I guess, the best way to ask us the questions. Jumping back to Brett Bradford, he asked Tony Pollard, James Conner, or I'm going to assume Daryl Williams and, and Jalen Waddell. Um, as options a little bit difficult to unpack here i will say what you were saying about ezekiel elliott hitting his top speed i'm curious if he's going to be back to more normal going forward and maybe the split will go back a little bit more in his favor from a fantasy perspective so like you like that um i don't know i feel like williams and waddle i think would have a, a pretty huge advantage from a ppr perspective so that's probably the way that I lean in the short term. Does anything jump out to you from from those four guys? Well, I'm, t- I'm definitely starting Jalen Waddle. Like, yeah. whatever the setup is, if there's a way to get Waddle in lineup, you do that. And then it seems like after that, you got to put in one running back. Uh, if that's Jamal Williams, then I'm not doing it. If it's Daryl Williams, then mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely doing it. So yeah. I think if it's Jamal Williams you're talking about, then I would probably go with probably go with Tony Pollard. I mean, unless it's mm-hmm. standard. I don't yeah. love James Conner. So uh, that's kind of the way I would do that. And if people, you know, as always, if you could throw in the format and possibly even a first initial, that, that would probably help us a little bit too. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> There's a lot of Williams in the there. league. There's like 10 Williams. I mean, okay, it, could, it could even be Mike Williams if he's talking oh, about Williams or Waddle. Yeah, I do think yeah. he's going to play. Um, yeah. I don't it know. Get like- back to us in the next two minutes if you can while we answer some of these other questions. We've got Lucius Verinus, 44. He's got a question about who he's going to start at tight end this week. He can pick from Tyler Higby, Pat Fryermuth, Foster Moreau, or Hunter Henry. Like, thanks us in advance for that. Um, so I'll say I believe Fryermuth is coming back from the concussion that cost him the, the time last week. Higby has been off the, the COVID list. He played last week. I think we assumed Aaron Waller's not going to play, so Moreau is probably going to play and probably play 100% of the snaps like you mentioned. Do any of these guys jump out to you as your preferred option? I think they're kind of all in that tight end two range. I've already done. I've already done a very deep dive on all the tight ends this week. So the tight ends are my. That's uh, my forte. I would start Foster Moreau if it's full PPR. If it's half or standard, I'm starting Hunter Henry. I think there's a very good chance Hunter Henry scores in standard. 
it cannot be overstated how important those touchdowns are because there's no think about how many tight ends are getting 70 yards right one touchdown (laughs) maybe right yeah there's maybe four so one touchdown is more valuable than anything any tight ends are doing i think hunter henry has the best chance of any tight end to score a touchdown this week yeah Uh, but but in full ppr i like foster moreau uh just the safety of him in the matchup with his snap share uh so that's where i'm at with those guys absolutely all right, next up we have Leo DeLorento who asks, uh, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert in a standard league? To me, this is clearly Herbert. Don't overthink what happened last week. As mentioned, Burrow had a huge benefit from a game against the Ravens who were missing their entire secondary. I know Herbert had a quirky, bad game against the Texans defense that's not that good overall, but I think it's pretty clear that Herbert is the better fantasy option week in and week out. Do you disagree with me at all there? Full, I'm in full agreement, Scott. Okay. Let's just keep going with Jonathan Kopp, who asked to start two running backs. Uh, he's got Javante Williams, Damian Harris, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. Um, I guess we're also some wide receivers here. Hunter Renfro, um, Corderell Patterson. God, there are a lot of guys here to pick from. Yeah. Two, um, looks like two RBs and one flex. Okay, so that's the deal. Maybe we can rank our top three guys here to, to see if that can help. Um, I will say, I think Ramondre Stevenson's going to be back this week. So Harris goes from being a top 10 option at the position for me back to more in that flex range. Like, honestly, given the matchup, I might actually start Javante Williams over him. Maybe that's a little bit crazy, but you feel good about that. Uh, Harris obviously has a pretty good chance to score against the Jaguars, though. Maybe both of them are in the lineup. I don't know. Is anybody jumping out off of this list for you? Yeah, so he needs to start three of these guys, right? So I think that you start Javante, Javante Williams, you start Damon Harris versus the Jaguars. And then for me, it boils down to Boston Scott versus Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro only if it's full PPR. Boston Scott, I mentioned earlier, I do kind of like him. Jordan Howard as a stinger. I'm not starting Howard. I'm not starting Kareem Hunt. I'm not starting AJ Dillon. I'm not starting, I'm not starting anybody from the end of that. So it's really Scott versus Renfro. And I'll let you make the final call on that. But it was, is that Cordero Patterson though? Because like I know that his his production That's is... Jarrett Patterson. Oh, okay. We're saying Washington, yeah. given that that, Washington. Uh, that Antonio Gibson may be out this week. Oh, actually, he COVID. is out. So that could be a sneaky So that, play. that becomes interesting. I haven't done the, the projections update to capture that to really know. But Jonathan Williams has played in split time with Patterson a little bit uh, mm. when they've been in there together. So I think, I, I think I'm probably agreeing with you and would, would pick up either Scott or Renfro. Um, and I, I would pick Renfro in a PPR sense for sure. Um, mm-hmm. so to me, that's that's the distinguishing factor. His target share has gone up pretty dramatically since the team lost Henry Ruggs. So um, that's the way that I would probably lean that way. He was neck and neck with Cooper Cup for a little while there. He's cooled down in certain weeks, but we know he's, we know he's, he's capable of it. Yeah. All right, scrolling up, scrolling up. Uh, we got Trey Lance or Taysom Hill, which has the better floor from a fantasy perspective. Um, I actually think it's Taysom Hill. Like, I know that he had a bad fantasy day in his last start because he failed to score a touchdown. But again, 11 carries and three straight starts. I don't really know what's going to happen with Lance. Because, like, would it stun me if he came out and only ran the ball five times? Not really, because we haven't seen him in 10 weeks. We don't really know what they're going to be doing with him at this point. Um, I think both have similarly great upsides. But Hill, since he started more and has been consistent in the workloads, I'm going to trust him more there. You hit the nail right on the head. One of them, one of them is a veteran who's played many games, and one of them is a rookie who's started one game. The floor is always going to be in Hill's <laughs> favor, right? So I, you you nailed it there, Scott. Okay. Well, it's two fourteen. Like we've done pretty good, especially for a New Year's Eve holiday here. Coop, thanks so much for sticking with us. This has been tremendous. Hope you enjoy your evening tonight. For any fantasy guys catching you for the first time, where can they catch your work, and what else do you have coming up in re- in the next few weeks? 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So for me, uh, the best way to find my stuff, follow me on Twitter at Coop A Fiasco. That's uh, C, it's right there on the screen. C-O-P-A-F-I-S-O. I I post my, every Tuesday I post my tight end rankings and then every Sunday morning I update them. So that's right there. All my content, if you want it, it's on Fantasy Alarm. Some of it's free, some of it's behind the paywall, but I'm always tweeting it out. You can easily find it there. And then uh, if you want to check out our podcast, it's the, uh, just search for the Fantasy Alarm podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and uh the one that i do every week is the nfl uh the nfl podcast with john and pemba you know it's pretty good so uh pretty much my twitter is the easiest way to find out the stuff i do and if you like it uh it's it's always pumping through there so uh, i just want to say scott thanks again for having me on and thanks again for what you guys do the dirty work <laughs> uh you know the splits the dvoa it's amazing because like in this in this game you know i mentioned an article from andrew erickson i used like hmm. we all have to work together right? Like I come out with the tight end stuff. I got friends who do kickers. You guys do the dirty work for the DVOA that makes everyone's life easier. And as a community, we come together and provide info that helps, you know, any individual one person can take info from everybody. So I just appreciate the things you guys do. That is such a difficult mathematical thing that I wouldn't even know where to begin. So I love it. Thank you guys for that. Well, I appreciate Coop. That was a really cool thing for you to say. And we loved having you on. Thanks so much again for sticking with us with the holiday here. Everybody that's watching, that's been watching this year, we really appreciate that too. Hope you have a great new year. If you're in your fantasy title games this weekend, great luck to you. Again, you can always tweet Coop or me or anybody that's in the industry. We'll be happy to help you with your start and sit decisions. Best of luck there. And then circle back again next week, Monday through Friday. We'll be live on YouTube and elsewhere. You can catch all of our game recaps next Monday. We'd appreciate if you did so. Thanks so much. Enjoy your holiday and we will catch you in the new year.